0: All right, friends. So we're going to have just a few moments in John 14. Get my notes. Yeah, so the first thing I want to say is uh, Jesus starts out saying, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And um, I was thinking this week, there's so many things that trouble our hearts. There's so many things. Uh, This week, I had people in our church and other friends call me and say, I've been laid off, I've been furloughed, Uh, my hours have been cut. And so a lot of us are worried about losing jobs, losing income, and our hearts are troubled. Um, this week I, I found out about a classmate of my son who overdosed and died, a, a young man, 30 years old. Um, opioids are killing, killing our young people, and it's, it's bad in our community, and our hearts are troubled about that. We want to know what to do. Um, our hearts are troubled because of uh, the racism and the killing of uh, obviously killing of Ahmad Aubri, but it's so many others. And the fact that it could be, uh, happened in February and these people that were killers were not prosecuted or not even arrested until this week when a video surfaced. Um, so that troubles our hearts. There are many other things. Maybe we're troubled in heart about our children or our grandchildren or disease or an illness or whatever. Uh, Satan has a million ways to instill fear and worry in us. And so... And Jesus says, "Let not your hearts be troubled. Um, we could cite all those things, but the reality is, what he's talking about specifically here, specifically, he says, "Let not your hearts be troubled about what happens when you die." Jesus was getting ready to leave them, to, to re, He was going to be crucified, buried. He would be raised on the third day, and he would ascend and go back to his father, sitting at the Father's right hand making intercession or prayer for the children of God. And Jesus Jesus says, this is what's going to happen. And so he said, I don't want your hearts to be troubled. I know. And this is what I love about the Lord. This is what I love about Scripture. It's not the only thing, but I do love this about the Lord, and I love it about Scripture, that the Lord addresses our fears. Like, we don't have to dance around and pretend everything. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Fine. I'm fine. Everybody's fine. Well, maybe we're not fine. Maybe our hearts are troubled. And the reality is we do have worry, we do have care, we have anxiety, and that's why Jesus says, cast your cares, on, can't even say it. Cast your cares and anxieties on me because I care for you, right? The Lord, Lord's name, he's, he's, the, he's the Prince of Peace, a Shalom. He says, my peace I live, leave with you. And so in John 14 verse 1, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. In other words, Don't let your hearts be agitated or stirred up or troubled or disquieted or disturbed. What the Lord's saying is, I know, friends, you're my kids. I know your hearts are troubled. And specifically about me going away, Jesus knew that the disciples' hearts were troubled because he was going to leave them. Nobody nobody wants one of their friends to leave, much less Jesus. And so he knew their hearts were troubled. And and he says, so I I don't want your hearts to be troubled. He says, here's the answer. Here's the answer. Believe and trust in me. Friends, Jesus is saying, I've been with you this time. I've shown you miracles. I've spoken to you the very word of God. As you've seen the Father in me, right? As you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, you've seen me bring the kingdom of God. And he goes, I want you to believe and trust in me. Why would you stop believing and trusting in me? You've you've seen me heal uh, the blind and the lame. You've seen me take a woman who had seven demons in her and, and, and heal her completely. You've seen a man who was cutting himself with rocks in the tombs and, and I cast demons out of him. And I gave him back his life. And the Bible records that he was dressed and seated in his right mind. And so the Lord is saying, you know, we could just preach on this one verse with, I mean, it just says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe and trust in Jesus. Put your trust, put your confidence, put your confidence in the Lord. And so The Lord is saying that there's an antidote for the troubled heart. An antidote is not you thinking positively. It's not you working something out. It's putting your eyes on Christ. The very thing that happened in the boat with the uh, disciples. Don't look at the wind and the waves. Stop looking at the wind and the waves. Put your eyes on me. And and at, at the end of the day, it's kind of like I used to say to my children, and now even sometimes with the grandchildren, like, do you guys trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust that I love you and that I will do what's best for you? And if you can say yes to that, then everything else falls in line. Everything else uh, will fall in place. And so Jesus says, don't let your hearts be agitated or troubled. Put your trust in me. I have shown you that I'm trustworthy. And he goes on in verse 2, and this is kind of a strange passage if you ask me. It says, in my Father's house are many rooms, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? So Jesus is talking about his father's house. I know, I was just recalling, and this is what happens when you read scripture a lot, um, over the years, Scripture just come to your mind. And even if you're not Tim Henderson and can't cite exactly the verse, because he's got an amazing mind, um, but at least you know the scripture itself. And he says, in my father's house uh, are many rooms, or many mansions. And I think about when Jesus was a little boy, Uh, He said, don't you know that I have to be in my father's house? And so while the scripture is clear that God does not live in a house made by human hands, he says, heaven, what does he say? Heaven is my footstool. No, he says, um, yeah, I think he says that. Heaven is my footstool. Anyway, he says, I don't live in a building. I don't need a building. I've always been God. I will always be God. I don't need a building. Now, I like to have my people gather together and not to neglect to come together and have fellowship one with another. I'm the author of the church. I birthed the church, but I don't live in a building. I don't live in a tent. I don't live in a tabernacle. And so he says, in my father's house. Um, In Psalm 23, David goes on to say, he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so David, King David believed that he would dwell in the house of the Lord. Um, And so the question is, is there a literal house of the Lord? Kind of like going into a heavenly hotel where there are all kinds of rooms and there's a room with your name on it you know what, guys? I, I don't know, but I don't think so. I think, I think when he says, uh, in my father's house, it's really a dwelling place. It's an abode. It's being in the presence of the Lord. And the main point isn't what kind of house or how many rooms or what does it look like. The Bible says that um, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. And so this little vision I have of heaven and when I die, I go up there and there's a, you know, like a heavenly holiday inn and I get to pick my room and it has my name on it. I'm not sure that's the point. I think the point is that the Lord loves us and we will all be with the Lord forever. Every Christian, everyone who's putting their faith and trust in the Lord, the Lord says, comfort yourself with these words. We will all be with the Lord forever. And so the reality is whether... Uh, whether it is a literal hotel or if it's just being in the presence of the Lord. Uh, whatever it is, it is good and is right, and we want to be there. And Jesus says, I just want to comfort you. You need to comfort your, be comforted by this, that, that I am going to come back and I'm going to get you and take you to where I am. And so he goes on, he says, he goes, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. We say that in the creed every week. Uh, that that the Lord will return. And you know what? People can be freaky about that and make all kinds of left behind books and movies and all that and keychains. But the reality is that the Christians have always said that Christ will come again. And when he comes again, he'll come in glory. No one's going to nail him to a cross the next time. No one's going to beat him. No one's going to spit on him. No one's going to mock him. No one's going to stab him with a spear. He's going to come as a victor, Christ the ruler and he will bring the kingdom of God. And he says, I will go and prepare a place for you. I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So if you're at a point where you're facing death, or even if you're considering, hey, you know, my life is, uh, it's like sand through an hourglass. It's like the the flowers of the field, here today, gone tomorrow. If you're thinking, hey, my years are running thin, um, I want you to be comforted by Jesus' words, that if you love the Lord back if you love him back, if you've received him as your savior and your Lord, that you're great. The Bible says you've been crucified already. Your life is hid in Jesus, right? And nothing will ever separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And so he's saying, friends, comfort yourself with these words. I'm coming back for you. And even right now, I'm at the father's right hand. I'm praying for you. Could you imagine that? You don't want to talk about a prayer warrior? The term always kind of hacks me off anyway. Who's a prayer warrior? Jesus is a prayer warrior. He says, I'm at the Father's right hand. I'm ever making intercession for you. I'm praying for you in ways you know and a million ways you don't know. And so we also find out, uh, last thing about my father's house, is that the Bible talks about uh, Christians being spiritual stones who are being built up into a, uh, a holy temple, that we are, in fact, the body of Christ, Christian people, those who put their trust in the Lord are in fact the temple of the Lord. Some other verses, verses I think it's in Ephesians, talk about us being the dwelling place of the Lord. Uh, let me see if I can find that verse. Ephesians 2. It says, uh, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God. So you want to know where God's dwelling place is? It's in the church, the body of Christ. We're being built together together into a holy temple, uh, into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And then again, the verse I quoted from 1 Thessalonians 4. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And then let's go to verse 4. So back, 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 back. Um, So then it gets kind of comical, really. Um, Jesus kind of sets him up and he goes, and you know the way to where I'm going. You know the way to where I'm going. And as the guy struggles with directions, I'm just thinking, huh, Google Maps. Where, Lord, where are you going? What are the directions? I always need directions because I get lost. I think Thomas, old doubting Thomas, one who want to make sure of everything, Thomas is like, hey, hey, hey Jesus, I, I need directions. I need to know exactly where you're going so I can get there. And I never saw, this in this passage until this week Um, and maybe i'm reading too much into it but what thomas is doing is an honest question but it also shows he's very man-centered in other words the solution to his problems the solutions to keep his heart from being troubled uh, the solution to being where jesus is and being back in his presence thomas thinks it rests on his shoulders or at least partly on his shoulders and friends there's no gospel in that that's basically jesus's work on the cross plus something we add to that. And that is a heresy. That's not the gospel at all. That's a works religion. Um, Same as the Pharisees. And so um, what we get here is Thomas says, how can I know the way where you're going, Jesus? he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus basically says, hey, Thomas, you don't need a map. You don't need a map. You don't need directions. You don't need directions. I, I am the way, Thomas. There's not a way that you follow, there's actually a person that's the way. I, Jesus, am the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. They had experienced all those things. They'd experienced Jesus being the way and being the truth. They'd heard the truth out of his mouth. They'd seen the life in him and him give life back to others. And so basically, Jesus is saying, I want you to relax, stop worrying, put your trust in me, and the main thing I want you to understand is, I've got you. If you're my kids, your life is hid in Jesus. Your life is hid in me. You are secure. I've had people ask me, especially people in their 60s and 70s, well, I just don't know if I'm going to heaven. Well, friends, you can know. If you confess with your mouth and believe and trust in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you are a child of God. And Jesus says, I've got you. You're mine. Nothing, nothing will separate you. Not even your continued sin, not even your rebellion, not even the fruit of your flesh. I paid in full. I said, it is finished. It is complete. Now, Whitney, I'm going to call you back in because I want to pick up on one other thing in this passage. And we kind of gone long. Um, here, let me forget the notes and go straight there. So, There is a, let me find the verse. It says, uh, um, here we go. Okay, verse 12. So at the end of this passage, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, and I always love that because when Jesus speaks, he is the truth. Mm -hmm. What could Jesus do but speak the truth? But I love the fact that he always goes, truly, truly. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. And so, with I want to ask you a question. So it says, Jesus says, you will do the works I do. Just off the top of your head, as anything might come, and if it doesn't, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. But what works did Jesus do? Because I know John the Baptist has said, hey, is he the Messiah? Is he? Mm-hmm. And, he, and they said, well, go, go, tell, go tell John about the works. So what works had the disciples seen Christ do?
1: It's really fun because I'm currently watching The Chosen. Yes. And it's so fun. Cana,
0: Cana, 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 Yes.
1: And so you get to see the wedding feast. You get to see the healing of so many, of the leper, yeah. of the paralyzed man. Um, and then there's just like this multiplication of so many things. And so I feel like Jesus is constantly healing, but he's also constantly multiplying as well. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we know that he healed blind people, lame people. Uh, he gave people their lives back, their spiritual lives mm-hmm. back. Yeah. They made, made them new. Uh, the man of the tombs, mm-hmm. uh, the woman caught in adultery. I mean, even Nicodemus. Like, mm-hmm. So he, he got religious people as well. So if you're in religion and you're stuck in religion, Jesus wants to save you as well. Um, so so mm-hmm. Jesus says to his followers, he goes, um, you're going to do, because I'm going back to the Father and I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to, to give power to my bride, the church, he goes, you're going to do the works I do. Mm-hmm. I got to admit, the first hundred times I read that, I'm like, really, Jesus? How in the world can we do the works you do? And what I would say is it doesn't depend on us. I can't heal anybody. We've had people come to our rails at Church of the Holy Spirit many times and ask for prayer, and we lay hands and pray. Sometimes we anoint them, and sometimes we feel the Spirit really moving. Sometimes we don't really feel anything. And you know what? God still often heals people. Mm -hmm. I've seen people that... God opened their womb. I've seen people that were losing their sight, that God gave them their sight back. And I'm the most stunned. I'm like, wow, Lord, that's a miracle. We had a lady in our church who had a, a, a mass, a, some kind of malignant mass on her on her pancreas, and we laid hands on her and prayed for her and anointed her, and she went to the doctor, the specialist at UVA, and then he said, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. So Jesus said, the works I did, you're going to do this. Church, it's time. we we, we got to claim our inheritance Um Again, we don't have to put a heavy burden on our shoulders that we got to do it, but the Lord said he's going to do it through us. And then he says the strange thing. What's the last thing he said? Uh, So you're going to do the works that that Jesus did, but then he says, um, look at 12b, he says, you're going to do even greater works than Jesus did.
1: Which is just hard to believe.
0: What can be a greater work than the salvation of the world? Yeah. So maybe we shouldn't be hyper-literal there, Mm -hmm. but we should believe what the Scripture says. And what it says, Jesus says is, Yes, you're going to do the things I did, but I'm going to work through you to do even even greater things. Mm -hmm. And maybe those even greater things are that the gospel would be taken to to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. We're never going to be more loving, you know, more anything than Jesus, but he is going to work in and through us. The Father, and the Spirit, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are going to work in and through us to do amazing things to the glory of his name. And so, yeah, People in Iran and Iraq and Syria and Afghanistan. Do you know there are Christians there? Do you know there are Jewish people? Even in these remote places, they're coming to believe in Messiah. Yeah. It's amazing. There, I'm telling you, where there's persecution, the church grows and grows strong and healthy. And where there's too much comfort, a lot of times the church is asleep. And that's why Bob Dylan said, when are you going to wake up? When are you going to wake up? Have, have faith and strength in the things that remain. <coughs> and so, friends... <coughs> um, this is a great example. We're going to close here. The great example is, you could read this and go, well, isn't that nice prose? That's so nice. Jesus, that's nice. We're going to do works you did and even greater works. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, Lord, that, that couldn't be true. That can't be true. And what I want to say is it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter. The Lord himself is speaking. He says, look, be about the kingdom. Keep your eyes on me. Have a relationship. Allow the spirit to work in you. And just watch and see what I do. Watch and see what I do. I am so um, happy, Whitney, when I see God move, and I know that it has nothing to do with you or me. Mm -hmm. I mean, Yes, we show up, and yes, we lay hands, and yes, we pray. But when we see God do what only God can do, it just gives great honor to his name and great glory. And we go, yes, God, yes. So anything you got on this passage you want to add?
1: Well, and just like what a kindness that God invites us into that. Obviously, God could do this all on his own, but he invites broken, sinful people in order to be his vessels. And through that, we get to see the power and the glory of God in our own lives and want to share that with others. And I think truly, yeah, he's just calling us to have a willing spirit. Like, do you trust me? How you were saying earlier, like, do you trust me to do the work that I've claimed that I'm going to do?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is kind of ridiculous, but I chase rabbits. (laughs) Um, You know, it's kind of like I, I told my kids one time, I'm like, you know what? Um, all I really want you to do is jump up in my lap and let me love you, and you can love me back, but I want you to trust me. And if you have that trust, and if you'll let me love you, we'll have a great relationship. Mm-hmm. But trust, if there—if there's no trust. And so I think the bottom line is what Jesus is saying is, he has proven himself trustworthy. He has sent his spirit. He's at the Father's right hand. He is praying for you. And, he, and, the, and the amazing thing is that the Lord wants to use us. I'm just humbled by that. Mm-hmm. Why would the Lord use us? Really, Lord? Can't you find anybody better? <laughs> and yet the Lord says, no, no, no. I want to use you. Yeah. He, 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 His strength is, is made perfect in weakness. Mm-hmm. And actually, the weaker the vessel, the more glory the Lord gets. I got one last verse. And this is this is like the televangelist verse. Okay. okay? So the last verse is this. And then we're going to end. And it says in verse 13. And it's in the red letters. Mm. Okay. And I just want to say there. I love the red letters. Um, and I, I have a red letter Bible. But. What I want to warn us is there are a lot of my friends, and even at a point I had done this, somehow thought the red letters were more scripture than the rest. Mm -hmm. You know, that, oh, if you really, really want God's word, you go to the red letters. Well, first of all, what I would say is if you read the red letters, there's a lot of really hard stuff in there, Mm -hmm. a lot of really challenging stuff. But the other thing I want to say is it is unbiblical to say part of the 66 books is more God's word than the other part. Mm -hmm. We could be honest enough and say some is more interesting, right? <laughs> some may even be more applicable, but the scripture says all scripture is God breathed mm-hmm. Genesis through Revelation. Even some of those books that you and I might not choose to be our go to books, like what books maybe would be your least favorite? Um, I don't I
1: don't, often, don't worry, guys, I can judge you. I'm don't asking don't the question. I often go to Leviticus if Leviticus. I'm being honest.
0: Leviticus is tough,
1: it's a little rough. Yes. Uh, Revelations a little rough for me as well.
0: A lot of stuff going on there. A lot of
1: stuff. I don't really know what's going on half the time. Um, yeah, those are probably my two main books that I'm, and I think it's more so some of the prophets as well. Yeah. So
0: yeah, so whatever. But all scriptures God breathed. And so what I want to say is, friends, you can like the the red letters, the sayings of Jesus better, but you got to know the same Lord. Mm-hmm. It's all scriptures God breathed. Well, who's God? Jesus. And so. What I'm saying is, in, a, in one sense, they're all red letters. God breathed them all. He inspired the human offers with his word. But anyway, that was a side sermon. The last one is, it says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Well, the first thing I want to say is, I believe, I believe this is, the scripture's true. But what I don't believe is what the televangelists do. And they teach people like whatever you, you know, there's spiritual laws and there's natural laws. And just like there's laws in the universe, there's also spiritual laws. So if you ask anything in the name of Jesus, Jesus is obliged to do it, even if you're not a Christian. I've heard that on TV. Is that ridiculous? So basically, God then becomes like an Aladdin's lamp that we rub or like a vending machine. He's a vending machine. And if we say something in the name of Jesus, he has to do it. Friends, that's not what he means. We can't ask with selfish motives. Uh, Whatever we ask in His name means according to His nature. Whatever we ask that is for the kingdom. Whatever we ask that would give Him glory. um, He promises, yes, He will do that. Um, But there's a certain humility in us that we realize we're not God. Mm -hmm. We can come boldly to His throne of grace and we can ask for things because He's a good, good Father. But He's not a concierge. He's not an Aladdin's lamp. And we have to trust sometimes the Lord in His love and mercy He sometimes says no. Mm -hmm. So, friends, anyway, John 14, it's a rich passage. We could go on and on and on and on. Thank you, Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Trust the Lord. It boils down to trust in him. He's a good God.